Hey, Film Files, what's happening? Today's going to be a little bit different, I guess, for a couple reasons. We're not doing movies at all. We're just completely steering away from it to uh, feed into my new obsession. My fiancé has forbidden all talk relating to Stranger Things in the house. So, so we're just going to cut an eight-hour episode. Oh we're we're just gonna... going to geek the fuck out for the next hour. It's going to be the jazz odyssey on Stranger Things, and people are just going to get so fed up with how granular we get. We're just going to talk about, you know, wardrobe choices and what do they really mean? I mean, um, but before that, uh, we got a guest in the studio, an old friend of mine, a new friend of mine and a movie that I'm really excited to see. So we'll do our little intro song and then we'll get right to it. And that sounds like this. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Daniel. I'm afraid I can't do that. What do you want? You want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around and pull it down. What's your favorite scary movie? Have you ever seen a grown man naked? You think I Now, blubby, bottle of cheap, stinking chip oil! Actually, that was the start of the Wave Race 64 theme because that was the first thing I thought of. Oh my god, Wave Race 64, that's awesome. Those pixelated dolphins were beautiful. And the, the, the worst thing about that, uh, the announcer was just... He was on all kinds of powerful antidepressants because he was just so excited about everything and just so way well, just way too positive. Like, he was, okay, you got first place. He was very Japanese, trying to be very American. Um, I'll probably cut that out. That's borderline racist. Anyway, so uh, we're using Skype for the first time here to talk to uh, C.J. Johnson and Sam Ball, who have uh, culminated and they've uh, created a movie and. Can you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, yeah, I'm Sam Ball. I'm the star of the film soon to be released. It's a Speed Racer behind the wheel. My name is CJ. I am the composer and ADR and all the, the fun audio stuff. Thank you so much for having us on, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you guys... It's, it seems like you're kind of making your podcast uh, press junket now. Yes, yeah, that's pretty, been pretty sweet. I'm going to link a trailer... The famous trailer that you guys have probably... Are you guys sick of watching the trailer? Or is it still... No. No, no not at all. You love it, right? Uh, of course. Trailer, <laughs> yeah. So Joey, unfortunately, couldn't be here because he's actually wrapping up the film as we speak. We're releasing it tomorrow, so... And that's Joey Pondle, the director of the film and the editor. Just killing it with that trailer. Yeah, yeah. So um, I thought about a, a bunch of things when I was first watching that, but the first thing I thought of was Kung Fury a little bit. <laughs> in in the, in the best possible way one of my questions was how much of this was filmed and then how much of it is joey doing post-production because it seems pretty seamless actually i was really impressed with it i mean joey like he, he's just he's crazy so sam would film in front of didn't you guys film in front of a green screen uh i would say that it was honestly about half and half green screen and real yeah, Joey, Joey, built, <laughs> Joey built a number of sets for it, and uh, we also did a lot of uh, location filming in Chicago and the Chicago area. Did you have to get permits for any of the filming? Well, 
probably get sued, but that's okay. Well, you'll have all your uh, Speed Racer money to pay for those lawsuits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what? I don't think we I don't think we said the full name yeah, of so, the film. So, it's what Speed Racer behind the wheel. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, any information that you'd like to find out about find out on is uh, can be found at www.speedintothemoon.com. Uh, and there are links to the Facebook and the video on YouTube and things like that as well. So was that prop beer that you were drinking, Sam? Because I'm pretty sure there's some uh, violations, some some sort of a SAG violation. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm unfortunately not a member of SAG, although Hollywood is looking into it as far as I'm as As, as for the prop beer, uh, there were no props. Uh, you did all your own stunt drinking? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, from what I gather, from what I understand is... Uh, so we started filming this about three years ago, Joey and I. Well, Joey, I guess, had a, a, a <laughs> he, had, he had an epiphany and decided that uh, after watching me, because I was, I was kind of stuck at home uh, during this uh, heavy winter storm. I couldn't go anywhere or do anything. So I just walked down to this corner liquor store, buy a bunch of beer, get drunk and watch movies. And uh, Joey thought it was hilarious, but I was going through some emotional turmoil I, that does actually kind of sound <laughs> funny <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, he was like hey Sam uh, you, you know you got you look like you've got some, some issues here with your drinking of, <laughs> some help. he was like no can we film it and I was like absolutely yes <laughs> so, so he was like well that's great because I came up with an idea for a speed racer to get wasted and uh, to go on some sort of DUI romp he, I guess he he from, from what I gather from him telling it, he got the idea from watching some PSAs. This is specifically the George Bush PSA where what? Uh, cartoon all-stars oh, yes. teach, teach kids to stay off the rocks. Yeah. Yes. He was like, I want, I want to do the opposite. I want Speed Racer to get involved in drugs and alcohol, and I want him to learn nothing from that. So, that, was, that was the basis of it. So are you guys trying to... Or did Joey mastermind this, try to fit it into some variation of the Speed Racer universe? Or am I just going to have to wait? Is there like a crawling screen prologue that's going to (laughs) explain where we left Uh, off when we last saw Speed Racer? It's not crawling screen, but there is a screen that basically kind of brings everything into focus real quick. Yeah. Uh, One of the animators from the original series, uh, it's been brought to that individual's attention. I'm not sure who it is. Yeah, and, and, and you said Joey got it to, was it Andy or Larry Wachowski? This is very important. Well, those, those individuals actually uh, aren't, uh, they, they don't exist anymore. Uh, there's Lana and then there's her sister. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what her name is. But oh, uh, wow. CJ, you can probably tell this better. So at some point, I, I work at Verizon on the north side of Chicago, and uh, I was helping this guy out buying some headphones, and we started talking about some just like music stuff in general. And uh, we ended up talking about how we've been musicians and he said he was a composer. It's like, oh, well, I'm, you know, kind of getting into that too. I'm wrapping up a little short films. Uh, one of them I'm actually, we're releasing in a couple weeks and it's pretty sweet. I, I got this trailer, you should check it out. And so we kind of geeked out on that. And after we watched the trailer, it's like, holy shit. You know, I was, the, I was the music editor, the guy that places all the songs and edits the whole music score to the film. Wow. Uh, 2008 film. So I was like, what? So basically the guy that worked on that 2008 Wachowski Sisters film, I mean, 
hopefully he passes along. He's he's friends with them, so we'll see if if that does end up reaching. That is pretty hilarious. I also kind of feel like an asshole because I had no idea at all that they both transitioned, and so I was kind of also thinking about that while listening to that story. That's funny, too, that that... I mean, it was a story, but it wasn't as big of a story as it could have or should have been. I wouldn't really that want make it sense? to be that. I agree with that for sure. Yeah, I don't think it should be any bigger story than anybody else. I don't know. Uh, it's always hard to say with stuff like that. Well, it's like nowadays I'm the same way with, with like with transitioning. I believe it's it's like the whole, you know, oh, this, entertain, this entertainer is gay. And they've come out it's just like, well, what's the big deal? Yeah, we you shouldn't know? have an hour-long documentary about it. That's yeah. not really serving them any sort of like respect or justice at all. Plus, it's really I mean, not the, surprising. It's hand, like, like, I think it is important that people that are thinking about going that route, like if they want to choose to have the option to do that, some people that are prominent and not just, you know, a rich millionaire celebrity that's taking all cover space. And, exactly. And doing that. Like all stories should be heard from people that have been greatly affected in the arts. And, you know, I, I think that people should be able to realize that those people are out there as well too and it's not something crazy and it's what people choose to do oh absolutely regardless speed racers great that took a turn uh (laughs) but but that's good so sam what was your what was your uh some of your favorite on location filming uh well one one of my favorite thing one of the things that blew my mind was uh, uh a scene that's not in the trailer and uh it wasn't it wasn't a location. Uh, it was a one of one of the uh, sets that Joey built for for the inside of an airplane. Oh my god! Yeah. So how how invasive was this set? I want I want to know more about his construction. How invasive? Well, his his, his uh, girlfriend wasn't happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> invasive. Uh, no, I mean it was it was expansive it was maybe, and it was I mean it was very intricate. You can't. Tell All right, I should have used a different word. Okay, I get it. What about voyeuristic? I think that would be. I don't word. I don't word good. All right. <laughs> I thought it was funny. That's why. Well, either way, that is wonderful. So is Joey just going to destroy the sets now? What's he going to do? He has done that. Yeah, he's, he's. I believe they are no longer in existence except on film. Yeah. Uh, one of the best locations, I think, one of the most fun in finding a location was. Uh, in fact, it was the same day as as filming that that airplane interior. I had gotten drunk because that was part of the character. That's what and Daniel Day-Lewis would do. I needed to find a moon. <laughs> I needed to find uh, a place to film a scene on the moon. So we ended up driving around all of the North Chicago and like the nicest, ritziest areas. And I looked like trash. You know, yeah. Dressed. I mean, I'm dressed as Speed Racer having crashed on the moon. Like I said, this is what Daniel Day-Lewis would do, but he'd probably take it a step further. He would probably get really, really trashed and then drive at really high speed. So. Yeah, he would get a DUI <laughs> just to understand behind the character behind the character. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, there's a funny story to, to us looking for that, that location, which we did end up finding. Uh, so we were driving around in like one of the nice mansions. It was like all mansions, okay? And I had to pee. And Joey refused to stop the car. He was like, I'm not. You can't get out of the car looking like this. We're going to be arrested. And I was like, nobody's going to arrest a person for looking a certain way, you know? Like, that's impossible. Well, that's... <laughs> so what happened? Well, I ended up having to almost relieve myself in his car. So I said, okay, fine. We'll stop at this uh, this gas station right over here. So we go up to this CVS. It was a CVS. 
we uh, he stops at the CVS and I was like, you want to come in? You need anything? And he was like, I'm staying in the car. Get out. Get in. And I go into the CVS and I wanted a Red Bull and I wanted to pee. And I didn't know where the bathroom was. So I grab a Red Bull and I go up to the cash register and I'm waiting in line behind this woman who's also in line, obviously. And she's like, everybody is looking at me. And I look so disheveled. I look like I've got bruises all over my face. I'm dirty. I've got this beard that's mangled and twisted and disgusting. I've, I've did you kind of forget you were wearing the Speed Racer costume? I did. I did. Yeah, I had to remind myself <laughs> to like. Yeah, it was. It was very, very. It was. It was weird. I felt so weird. And so I get up to the cash register, and uh, the lady at the cash register was so kind. <laughs> she, she thought there was there was something mentally wrong. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> so, so but was she wrong? <laughs> was she wrong? I think she... I mean, it's not debilitating. I'm not, like, trying to criticize you, but... Oh, that's pretty funny. So, do you get to keep the mask? Do you get to keep some of the costume, Samuel? Uh, no, I don't want to keep the costume. Uh, it's probably all sweaty and reeks of whiskey. <laughs> well, there were, there were a few costume changes, luckily, but, yeah, Joey... Joey is responsible for the the costume and the helmet and everything. But uh, when I got up to the, I got I got to finish the story. It's too funny. I get up to the register, handed the Red Bull, and I wasn't wearing my glasses, so I couldn't read anything. So I'm like looking down at this uh, this debit thing while I've got my card inside the machine, and I'm like, uh, uh, where's the seven? And she's, she looks at the. <laughs> so I'm looking at this card reader, and uh, she like leans over the counter. And she's like, so you'll just want to put in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. Yeah, and then, like, I, I stand there and I wait. And I'm like, oh, squish. You know, or, like, buttons to press to get this thing to go through. And then she's like, okay, it went through. Great. <laughs> <laughs> what, what were you going to say, Ben? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, if the costume is out there somewhere and – Maybe you will or won't base a sequel on the success of uh, Behind the Wheel. You know, you could you could do it like the Ernest movies. You could have Speed Racer, you know, scared stupid, and you could have Speed oh, Racer go to go. prison. <laughs> that is interesting. Well, Chicago has such a dense landscape. You could really make it into anything you wanted. That's true. About how, how long – do you guys know about how long uh, this film will end up being? It's about 20 minutes, is that right? Yeah, just under 20 minutes with a final ending credit scene. Gotcha. Does he want to expand it and make it longer, or is this this it for him? Is this the end of Speed Racer? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this goes, but it was just a lot of fun making it, so I hope we continue to do some stuff with it. Yeah, that would be wonderful. So has Joey kind of been, is he still working for that company doing commercials? Yeah, absolutely. Joey is, as, as, far, as, I, as far as I'm aware, Thanks. Joey's maybe the most sought after person for, for what he does. Yeah. He's very, very active in that. And then in his free time, he makes uh, genius uh, short films. And we've actually, we've got another one that we're, we're going to be doing uh, hopefully soon. That shouldn't take very long to complete. And that's uh, a Sherlock Holmes story. As soon as uh, Sherlock Holmes hit the public domain, I went out and wrote a script for that. And so, oh yeah. How about that? So does it, is it kind of a double-edged sword with living in Chicago and having those resources, like having so many tools at your fingertips, but it also probably like overcomplicates things? I don't know. I think it was pretty nice. Like I was, I knew Joey a little bit, but I met him about a year ago when he brought the first half of Speed Racer to me and was like, "Hey, 
I hear you've been wanting to score films. Why don't you do this? And then I just started messing around with it and ended up kind of going to a new direction. And he ended up shooting some stuff quicker and quicker. But the program that he's using to manipulate everything is called After Effects. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just insane the amount of things you can do with it that I think it took him a while to learn how to to just animate every single thing. I mean, there's parts of the parts of the movie where he lines it up with scenes directly from Speed Racer. Wow. Like, so this is what I'm going to be doing, and it's shot for shot, like a car chase scene from the episode, but he, he animated the whole thing. So it's, it's just insane. Yeah. And one of jumps in and is amazing, too. It was his original work, though. He didn't, didn't like, take these scenes and put them into the, right. the thing. He, he uh, used them for inspiration, and he's doing all the animation himself. In fact, yeah, uh, he sent us all of us today, like a, a, a board, a poster board of like all of his uh, tracings and drawings of everything uh, that, that he'll be incorporating into the show. He's, he's putting everything into it. It's, it's fascinating. And it really shows, too. It, it, it looks amazing. Oh, yeah. There was a shot in the trailer that was a uh, side profile with like a crowd reaction shot that I kind of I didn't realize that it was Sam at first. I, I guess we should we should mention the the trailer is on YouTube. Speed Racer behind the wheel. When is the movie coming out, and how can we see it? Tomorrow on YouTube and in speedintothemoon dot com. Excellent. Who's doing the who's who's are you working on the site? CJ, is that your brainchild? No, that's that's Joey as well. I just handled all the audio stuff. That's that's all I did. Okay. Yeah. So are you keeping in touch with the guy who worked with the Wachowski sisters? Well, he told me to uh, friend him on Facebook, so I showed him the trailer and and friended him on Facebook. So when it comes out, I'm going to go ahead and send a link to him. So it should be it should be pretty good. I have to say that also Norm Burns helped me out with some additional composition, and we wrote a couple original songs for for this, and it's it's pretty ridiculous. It's amazing. I guess it's great too to hear a story of someone who is probably well-established in the industry who says, hey, just reach out to me because you hear a lot of horror stories about some of the people who are well-established who, you know, they have someone who's aspiring and they just turn them away in the most brash way possible. So it's cool to know that there's someone out there who's, you know, willing to listen. Oh, yeah. Luckily with music, like everyone, or at least nowadays, most people are very encouraging and want to, you know, collaborate or meet new people. That's one thing I think being on the music side of stuff that while we might have tastes that are, you know, strict to what we like, we're very open to the other people just doing the art it's a love for just music in general and how it adapts to film once you get to that point there's an even bigger community so it's it's pretty amazing that that stuff is out there and filmmakers are getting to that point too like i follow a couple filmmaker things on reddit and the community just seems awesome it's it's impressive yeah it is there's the um there's a guy named david sandberg who is a real big redditor and he has a youtube channel and he puts out two minute horror movies and they're like truly terrifying and they're all on youtube under his youtube channel is pony smasher and there's this one called i have actually seen a couple of those that guy makes some killer stuff yeah and i had messaged him on reddit because i had a question about cameras and he was kind of like moderating this thread and he responded back right away and we were just kind of chit-chatting back and forth and i think it was I can't remember who the studio was, but they bought Lights Out, and it's actually out in theaters right now. Yeah. 
and yeah, that he, guy scored a big one with that one. Yeah, totally. And he is, had lived in Sweden, and his wife Lada Lada Rossen, I think, they just uh, moved to LA. And I asked what his plans were, and he got the gig to direct Annabelle Two. Fuck yeah, that's awesome! Opening sequence in that movie is great. The rest, it sucks that the rest of it is not very good. But when that pregnant woman basically has the break in and everything, that was. That's crazy. Yeah, I actually did not see Annabelle. I haven't either, but that's a great thing, too, about horror sequels. I don't need to now. You can pretty much take the same premise from the first one and modify it. Like, my ultimate example is Evil Dead versus Evil Dead 2. Now, you still had the same core crew, same director, same main actor, but the movies are a lot different from each other. So, hopefully, that's what he looks at when he's directing Annabelle 2 is that, yeah, this is... All right, but I'm going to completely kill it with Annabelle too. Yeah, well, a lot of the a lot of the empowerment that's come from like Vimeo and YouTube, all the seems like directors have very. You have to figure out what your intentions are with every project. You know, like I think with him, I don't think he was putting these videos up as teasers, hoping that something like this would happen. I think if that's your intention, you're probably going to fail if you make a movie like expecting it to take off. You know. Definitely. It's it's interesting. Like, I've been searching for a lot of directors and just, you know, writing names down of who I like and who, you know, who does really good work. And it's great to see how creative people have gotten with the fact that technology has progressed so much just in the terms of, like, shooting a movie and then being able to distribute that and see what other people think. Uh, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, it is. It's cool that you don't need $30,000 to uh, make a movie anymore. That's a great oh. thing about... Uh, film and music you know bands used to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to book a studio they go to the studio they have to rent time and it's i guess it's the same thing with film now where you have availability of technology as well that's kind of wrapped in with the distribution so people who you know have maybe five grand can make something that's just as profound as someone who has you know 50 million Mm dollars it may not look like a 50 million dollar movie but you can still get your message across i think in a very great way Oh, absolutely. Very effective way. And also, you know, especially with uh, with technology where it is today and what you were talking about, how people not necessarily having the means to make a film look that way or to get their film out there in that way. Uh, it's, it's well, it's something that Hitchcock or, yeah, Hitchcock would do as well is, is it's a limitation and limitation breeds creativity. And so when you put so many limitations on people and especially when people are competing with something like what Hollywood's doing now, which is carbon copying itself to the nth degree, you know, it, it, it allow like it, I think that so many walls in front of a person, uh, just gives them more of a way to, to work around it. You know, it's, it's just a, a reason to think of something different, something better. Yeah. Like it should, it should challenge you. It shouldn't disappoint you. Right. And, what- and anybody who goes after that challenge, who wants that challenge, who thrives off it is somebody whether it gets seen or not, it's, as far as I'm concerned, uh, irrelevant, you know. That's a really good point, too, because sometimes these big budgets also breed laziness or complacency in the creative team behind them because, you know, they may just think, well, we're just going to throw some effects at people and there's really no 
heart behind it. Not with every big budget movie, yeah. but I, I think Hollywood's d- done a better job with blockbusters and big budget movies, if you want to call them that. But then you do have still some like heartless CGI fest. You're wondering how they even got greenlit because they just suck so terribly and are a waste of money. Yeah, I was pretty sad to see the uh, Blair Witch reboot trailer. The Woods? Yeah. Blair, well, Blair Witch, it was The Woods. And now and it's Blair it Witch. Blair, but you know what? Whatever. I don't really get bent out of shape about the reboots and remakes anymore. And it really breaks my heart when people have the complaint of like, oh, Hollywood is, no, there's no good movies anymore. They don't make them like they used to. Hollywood's making a bunch of bullshit. Well, they are making a lot of bullshit. But like you said, Sam, it should challenge you to dig deeper and look to other places. You know, if what you're looking for is originality and something that you haven't seen, then don't drive by the movie theater and hope that that's going to be there. Absolutely. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, video on demand and, and things like that, like those were, those weren't good stories usually for the most part, but as Hollywood and uh, these huge, for the most part, these huge movies. Now, some of some of these gigantic movies are fascinating on demand videos. Now where you find these auteurs going and making these films. And uh, in fact, I saw the most recent uh, Universal Soldier film. I did too. Oh man, that that, that movie! I was one impressed. Of the movies I've ever seen. It was what? It's it's fascinating. Are it, you? It is absolutely unreal. Do you remember what the suffix to that is? I can't remember. I saw one a couple, like I think a year and a half ago. I don't know if it's the same one, but it, it had. It, it may have been. Let me see. I I, I, I think I know it. Or uh, can come up with it here, but it had uh, Lundgren in it, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. They were they were both in it. Yeah, uh, it had to be the same. But they weren't the main characters. Yeah, that uh, that is the same. I got it, hoping to laugh at it. And uh, while we probably won't do an episode on it, I wasn't. That's uh, what you think. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wasn't able to uh, be a crotchety old man and and criticize it. It was it was okay. <laughs> But it's but it's also not trying to take home any awards either. I think a lot of people criticize these movies that are uh, not trying to be anything that they're not. You know, people who who can't stand the Fast and the Furious movies. Well, they never claim to be anything more than fast cars and uh, scantily clad women. The Rock body slamming people. Oh my God! The ro- <laughs> Fast and Furious movies. Does he have a? I think The Rock and the and Pitbull have the same thing going. Like Pitbull needs to be in every single club hit, and I think The Rock has this thing now where he kind of has the Will Smith mentality, where he wants to throw himself in yeah. every single big project. So speaking of uh, speaking of all these projects, I have a couple. I have a couple trivia questions. Do you guys want to play a little bit of trivia? Yeah, I got some trivia questions. You got some? All right. All right, I'll I'll go first because I'm self-centered. Boo! <laughs> Up yours, pal. All right, I'm gonna name four male actors, and you're gonna try to tell me which one of those four has been in the most movies and the least amount of movies. By movies, I mean feature-length film, according to uh, the Motion Picture Association of America. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Oliver Hardy. Danny Trejo, Samuel L. Jackson, and John Wayne. Which one of those four have been in the most number of movies? 
Man, that one's that one's tough between Samuel Jackson and Danny Trejo. It's tough between Jackson because those guys are yeah, trying to like throw themselves in everything. Yes, yeah, Samuel Jackson like trips on a stick and like falls onto a set. <laughs> what's Bill? What what is, what's the movie again? And he kills it every time. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that is the thing. He, like, rides the line where I'm almost kind of tired of seeing him. Like, when he showed up in Kingsman, I was like, okay, now come on, dude. But then he was amazing. He did. He ate fucking ate McDonald's. He ate McDonald's on a silver platter. (laughs) Yeah, he, for some reason, Sam Jackson gets it, but Nicolas Cage doesn't. He has tried to be in everything and has kind of sucked. And his whole shtick wore thin. There's a quickly. There's a YouTube video that's I don't remember the title, but it's like five minutes of Nicolas Cage losing his shit. It's like a compilation video, and it is <laughs> phenomenal. Should we give answers? Yeah. So what? What do you think, Sam <sighs> and CJ Jansen? So, I'm gonna say uh, Danny Ch- Danny Trejo because he started acting. And- Are you looking it up, you asshole? <laughs> What was his first movie? Was it El Mariachi? No, 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 no. He played the same knife-wielding character in Desperado. Oh. That was his first movie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. How about most? Who's got most? I would put Danny at the top because he. Has, I think he's more likely to be in, you know, that Z-grade stuff. Oh, yeah. That because that's my only like like I said I think it's di- it's difficult to choose between Danny and Samuel L. Jackson and then I'll put John Wayne at the bottom. No, John Wayne was in almost like at least three hundred movies, I, and I'm putting John Wayne at the top. That's your dad talking. <laughs> uh, I'm going Sam Jackson, then John Wayne, and then I I probably would say Trejo is down at the bottom, which is sad because he's he's a great actor and he should be in more. Um, Fly on more intestines out of hospital windows. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess I'm going to disappoint all of you. Uh, Oliver Hardy has been in 417 films. Danny Trejo has been in 327 films. What? Samuel L. Jackson has been in 166 films. And John Wayne has been in 178. It's close. Damn. Like I was I was one Oliver Hardy away from winning the prize. It made me realize I need to see some more Oliver Hardy. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Sam, do you want to ask one of yours? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, one of these is a bit spoilery, but it's not spoilery according to the director. Yeah, we also got to get through eight episodes of Stranger Things, so I hope you guys are sitting on a comfortable couch. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll do this one. Which of these movies has both a sequel and a spin-off? The Rocky Horror Picture Show, The French Connection, or This is Final Tap? French Connection. I believe it's called... <laughs> right, it is French I believe it's called The 7-Ups with uh, Roy Scheider. That's, that's the spin-off. Well, I guess I just fucked it up for everybody else. French Connection 2. It's one of the most movie sequels and movies in general that I've ever seen. I highly recommend you see that. Also see that. Um, ben, you want to hit us up? So I figured that I would do some Jim Hopper trivia because <laughs> it's hard for me to pick my favorite Stranger Things character, but if someone said, hey, I'm going to disfigure you with a crowbar unless you pick your favorite character, I'd pick him. So, But why'd you pick a crowbar? 
I don't know. That's the first thing I thought of. Huh. I feel like that's what Jim Howard I like. I like the band Crowbar, so there's that. Wow. There you go, yeah. I don't know Crowbar. They're got, uh, very very sludgy and, and doomy, and um, it's funny, too, because if you... I think they're on Beavis and Butthead, and if you watch their videos from the early 90s, like, every single member except the drummer was, like, really fat Really? Yeah, there, but there it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's heavy metal. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this one is. I think this one's gonna be. This one may be really really easy. You're gonna say I I can't remember that. It's a quote um, in one of the early episodes. What I liked about Jim Hopper was how they at first set him up to be like the typical '80s movie cop slob, but then he turned into a hero miraculously in like the maybe like. Within episode like three episodes, to four, yeah. yeah, that's where he started to make his turn. So, I believe this might have been even the first episode. According to Jim Hopper, the morning is for two things. What are those two things? Kathy and contemplation. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> I, people are on it quickly these days because yeah, there are T-shirts now. Yeah, I know. And it's like nuts. Pinterest projects. Have Have you finished the the season, CJ? Are you as geeky as we are with that? You know, I actually just started watching it last night because Sam said we'd be talking about it, and we're on episode six. So oh God, can, I'm so I'm so glad that we didn't six just through eight. But yes, this destroy is it. I love it. And Hopper is great. I the the quandary that I keep uh, running through in my head, and and I can do this very non spoilery, is uh, it reminds me of when Star Wars came out, and they are trying to you know they know they can make a movie that's going to satisfy the original fans, but there's also the flip side of trying to turn on new fans. So the number of people that I've talked to that have really, really liked this show are detest horror. My fiancé hates horror films, like of, of all kinds, super squeamish, and she loved it. I watched it with my parents. They loved it. So I was trying to think about what it, what it is that's different with this because it is scary. There's not a lot of quote unquote blood. It's a lot. Of, well, I'd say too, it's like a light sprinkle of horror. If that makes sense, because there are very few actual scenes that draw from the genre, even though it has some of the same trappings. Like, you know, you have this dark forest setting, you have a monster that feeds uh, exclusively at night and is drawn to blood, you know, but then you also have, you know, um, kind of like a, conspiracy slash espionage story almost Mm -hmm. you look at it from hopper's perspective because he's essentially trying to infiltrate a government agency you have sci-fi thrown in a little bit with um the hawkins national laboratory there are so many different movies too that are referenced through the entirety of the series um, whether it's directly or indirectly. I mean, I started making my own list, but then I turned yeah, like the posters internet's just every like, time they shoot to what's his name's uh, basement. Yeah, the thing. And of course, with, with the way Hawkins National Laboratory looks and with the uh, the kids and then Hopper being always around it, that, of course, reminded me of a movie that I don't like, The Manhattan Project. It's like, oh, if they tried to make that you know much better, this might be what it's about you know like let's just say in that movie they had spilled some nuclear waste on someone and made them the toxic avenger but the toxic the toxic avenger had a face that could open yeah yeah Yeah, they used a lot of the fun light-hearted familiar tropes that we all appreciate but the actual me and sam were talking about this yesterday but you know the actual meat and potatoes of the story 
is not um, something we've seen a hundred times because Sam, can you explain what your 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 complaint? I'm trying to think of how you phrased it. How you wish that the performances would have been almost more choppy so that it would have matched so many other of the other aesthetics in the show. The the title sequence, the opening credits are very much in the vein of of uh, those '80s horror movies, you know. But uh, the and the, the the plot line absolutely follows those those tropes, you know, a slice of life film. You know, with uh, that they they throw horror into there. That's why you only get bits and pieces of horror. You used to get that all the time with those '80s horror films, where it was a slice of life. You get to know the characters, and then shit was happening in the background that slowly moved in on them. You know, and they're they're starting to do that now with other films like Babadook and uh, with It Follows, for instance. But uh, the the cinematography and the film itself it's very cleanly shot and that was never that was never really how it was done in the 80s you know it was dirty dirty footage and uh you know everything appeared to be shot on the fly uh actors were b-grade they were very melodramatic the dialogue was uh very very campy and if they did uh, unfortunately like the the title sequence sets you up for a, a type of storytelling that they don't follow through with but like you were saying with the with people who, who are watching this who usually don't gravitate towards horror i feel that if they had taken that route then it wouldn't have the it, it wouldn't be as popular as it is with the popular that it has maybe they'll do something similar to that in the, in the second season yeah i think that there would be a handful of uh a very tight-knit community that really appreciated it and was like yep you did it success you nailed it but they're not necessarily trying to uh, trying to win over people who are already fans of the genre. There'd probably be more overt violence too, because that's one thing I thought of. Uh, you already mentioned it, Jimmy, about how there's really not a whole lot of violence. But and this is what I was thinking about too. I won't I won't spoil the ending until maybe we do dedicate part of the episode to talking about a potential second season, but um, without giving anything away, what they did really well is set up the potential for a season two, and with the success of the show, there probably will be one. I was thinking that what they can do if they want to go more toward what Sam was talking about, they could easily make this into an anthology where they visit different... Um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be 80s, but I'd love it to be 80s, but make one that's more like a, a slasher, like one season can be more like a slasher series mm-hmm. with maybe some other elements thrown in. So that's one thing that they can look at pointing toward the future. Yeah. Yeah. I was really surprised at how not TV show this felt. I mean, I, I was never a diehard fan of walking dead. And aside from that show, there's not a whole lot of authentic horror TV series out there, but usually with any tv show even the first season because the pilot episode is just it's it's tough right because you have to introduce all the characters you have to ask a bunch of questions you have to uh have the hook and you need to give everybody a reason to come back but especially with the even the first season of most tv series uh they move they do they move to another city they do a flashback of another city you know that's it's on a more uh grander scale and I couldn't believe that Stranger Things never left the city. 
You know, like they fought, he, what's his name went to his dad's for a while, but it was like the same Jonathan. small characters. I mean, this, you know, the, the small cast of, of characters <laughs> and, and even the side characters like Benny, the guy from the diner, uh, he was great. I, my favorite side character wasn't Barb, even though the internet seemed to fall in love with her. Mine was Mr. Clark. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, and that's that, that's something else too. Like that, uh, their story. They they believe in their story. They don't need to re- rely on uh, gimmicks. I would say Joyce Byers was, you know, obviously trying to find out what's happening with her son. But then you have you have Lonnie, who's just the biggest piece of shit in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, kind of one of the one of the things that was strange too is one of the it's okay. Here's a dichotomy. You have Dr. Brenner and you have 11, right? But he shows more overt tenderness toward her, even though what he's doing to her is monstrous. Yeah. And then you have, uh, Ted, Mike and Nancy's dad, who's pretty much just there, but not there at the same time. That's one of the things that I found really interesting about this is the exploration of the like parental relationships and that reflecting just a, a time period where, you know, Parents actually let their kids be out and about. They didn't, you know, try to follow them every step they went. Obviously, they didn't have uh, cell phones. The reason I say that, too, is because uh, we don't really get to know the the characters from... Uh, I would say they're from the CIA because MK Ultra, if if you remember that newspaper clip... <laughs> and that's clip, not a spoiler, by the way. Because well, this Correct. is this is actually from one of the earlier episodes where Hopper goes to the library and looks at these newspaper articles. Well, Brenner was uh, involved with MK Ultra, which was a, a real CIA experiment. Yeah, excuse excuse me, experiment, and they were um, using LSD as the main variable. They would actually um, basically spike each other's drinks with LSD, and these were federal employees, but. I think Brenner, and this is just me reading into him probably way too much. I don't really think he has a family. I think he's like that's. I think he does. Yeah, at the same time he's using Eleven, I think he does actually care for her in some capacity. You you can see his heartbreak when she gets taken into that room each time. You know, like it's it's a very cold look on his face, but you can still see like underneath that a part of him is being ripped out of it. You know, yeah, that's that's, just that's for very his, true. Like, continuation of sciences, but. Still, he's still a dick. Yeah, he, he's still a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like this whole homage to the '80s resurgence. Um, the the earliest one I can think of is Drive, that really made me feel really reminiscent for a time that I'm not quite old enough to appreciate. And I don't know why, when I hear some of those synthesizer songs from Stranger Things. I'm like thinking back to my childhood and it's like a punch right to the heart. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm 31. I'm not quite old. Like I didn't go to high school in the eighties. Like, I don't know why this is so warm and fuzzy for me, but I think it's, I think it made me connect with my, my mom a little bit back then, you know, when they're, when they're coming up in the eighties, the early eighties and things like that. It's like, man, that must've been an interesting time for, for them to be alive and to grow up really. Yeah. Maybe you want to listen to the Halloween three soundtrack, which I have a few times. Just John Carpenter in general has a his he casts a huge shadow shadow over everything that's going to be synthesizer based but with this some of the warmer stuff reminded me of some bands that are 
you know, releasing music today like Tycho and uh, Boards of Canada. So I don't think they were just trying to emulate the the John Carpenter pastiche. I think they were also leaning with, like what Sam was talking about, the visual component of um, everything looking really clean. I think mm-hmm. some of the music was very, very clean too and sounded a little bit more modern than it would have in the 80s. Like one thing they... Uh, they used in one episode a Peter Gabriel like orchestral version of David Bowie's Heroes, which mm-hmm. I think is m- very modern. Like I think it's a modern recording, which seemed out of place. So there were some elements like that where the, it's not like they were dead set on being okay. Everything has to be eighties. Yeah, yeah, it's weird too because like you want to be nostalgic only to a certain point because a lot of the films that they're kind of borrowing the aesthetic feel from are not by all intents and purposes, good movies. They're not well-written. They're not well-acted. I mean, I don't mean like the Steven Spielberg and the obvious, you know, Goonies, Poltergeist, E.T. Stand By Me. Stand By Me, yeah, all the stuff on the train tracks. But a lot of the 80s horror, like over-the-top, cheesy 80s horror sci-fi, it's fun to see the 80s style, but we don't need to go back there. (laughs) That's that's why I appreciated uh, such a different story, you know. Yeah. And were you kind of confused when you saw Eleven for the first time and everybody's calling him a girl? And I'm like, I don't understand. Uh, Oh, right. Okay. I didn't get right away that she was a girl. I didn't assume. I don't. (laughs) She seemed seemed boyish, okay? Androgynous. I'm I'm feeling very (laughs) sexist right now. Well, you think, too, about kids who were in that age group. And still, if you shave some girls' heads, they'll look like boys. And if some boys grow out their hair and it's long, they'll look like girls. True. Well, yeah. I wanted to ask you guys a question. This is spoiler-free as well. Did anyone else find the nods to other movies distracting at points? Yeah. No, I, if, if there were nods to other movies, I didn't pick up on them necessarily. I mean, I saw I saw obvious things, you know, inspiration taken from. I mean, I kind of have to agree with you on that, Sam. Like, I'm I'm just lost in the story. Like, it's so <laughs> well done that yeah, it's it's been a while since I've watched something where I can just kind of get involved in, and I probably subconsciously like have seen things that remind me of throwbacks to other films. But it's just such a good story overall that I just haven't really thought about it that hard yeah the the first one i thought of was the poltergeist uh flashback at the beginning when she has poltergeist tickets that was pretty that was a pretty cute scene well there was there was one scene in particular that's in the last episode um mm-hmm. oh yeah are you guys watching that tonight because i hope you're gonna uh sleep in the same bed yeah it's uh we've we've got it queued up on the tv right now so cool yeah, for me, it was mostly the last episode where we were like, okay, I get it, but you're kind of venturing a little bit too far into this territory. I'll just say there's a certain uh, film franchise with xenomorphs, and you're like, okay, I, I understand. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing, too, like with, with nods to other, you know, whether it's films, music, TV shows, whatever, sometimes, like, if you go too overboard while you're also trying to do your own thing there's like this identity crisis that can happen within i think to me it's just that one episode where it's like that one kind of 
took me out of the story for a few minutes. Yeah, I don't want the nudges to be so intense. It's like, you get it, you get it, you ah, get it, you get it. Ribs. It's like, yes, good job. This is the awkward silence when it's about time to wrap up. Yeah, I'd say so. Thank you so much for having us on. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it was yeah thank you guys. Of course. Heck yeah. Uh, and I don't think I've actually ever met you in person, CJ. I've just heard your uh, name, and I wasn't totally sure that you even existed. So this was really nice. Who says he does? Who says Sam isn't just using two voices? Oh, that's true. Oh. Like session nine. Sam's in the upside down. Or it's yeah, session no, I nine. I work at the independent theater, so I think we've met once. Once or twice, maybe. Oh, the the Peoria Theater? Yeah, the indie theater when it was when it was kicking. Oh, yeah, that was so sad to see mm-hmm. that go. Well, all good things here must die, pretty much. That's we're, we're resigned. To, we, 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 you know. <laughs> this is where small business comes to die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that could be the official tagline of Peoria. Yeah. Peoria, where small businesses come to die. <laughs> all right. Well, you guys take care. Thank you so much. Yep, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. We'll talk later. Well, that's that's gonna have to be it for now. I wanted to thank Sam Ball and C.J. Johnson for joining us today via Skype experience. They're from the Chicago area. They were promoting their new film directed by Joey Fondle. The film is called Speed Racer Behind the Wheel. It's now available to watch for free on YouTube. And you can find a link to that in the description for this episode. So we just kind of touched on Stranger Things, but that's okay. Because next week, we are going to have 60 minutes dedicated to conspiracy theories, ideas, questions that we want answers to, things that we liked, things that we didn't like. And it's all going to be about Stranger Things, now streaming on Netflix. And uh, we have a SoundCloud page, too, in case you didn't know. It's still relatively new, so we're slowly spilling our 100-plus episodes onto the database, or database, whatever. So uh, that's cool, though. That means every time you log on, there's probably going to be four or five new episodes. So once that's done, we're going to keep loading new episodes up every week, so you always have some fresh material to listen to. And that's at soundcloud.com slash movieshowtheater. So thanks for the support, and we will see you next week. This is Movie Show Theater. Hey, Speed Racer, behind the wheel trailer, why don't you take us out? Some of your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol ruin your life. In a world where speed has its limits and justice is ruled by the unjust, one man must risk it all in a race against time. Fifty laws!